Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today we're speaking with Slobodanka Vladiv Glover. She's an adjunct professor at the School of Languages, Literatures, Cultures, and Linguistics at Monash University in Australia. She's also the editor-in-chief of the Dostoevsky Journal. Slobodanka, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. 2021 marks the bicentennial birth of Fyodor Dostoevsky. Could you first just tell us a bit about him and some of his best-known works? Yes, uh, Fyodor Mihailovich Dostoevsky was a Russian writer who had a very difficult and fairly short life, but a very productive one. Uh, he remains one of the most uh, enigmatic writers even today. His reception has not fully achieved itself. In other words, we still do not understand him fully. We still do not uh, uh, have a perfect understanding of all the aesthetic messages of his works. He was an engineer, the son of an army doctor. He aged very quickly because he had to endure uh, a death sentence when he was 27 years old. He, had, he was condemned to death for reading a prohibited letter um, uh, from one uh, literature person to another in, in Russia in a reading circle called the Petrashevsky Circle. Uh, all the members of the Petrashevsky Circle who discussed European philosophy of the day, which was the 1840s, uh, and incidentally, just before they were all arrested, just before the or just during the revolution of 1848 in uh, in, in Europe, um, all the revolutions of 1848, which were uh, anti-monarchist, uh, anti-establishment. So um, this was a circle which uh, practiced uh, discussions, discussions of European works of uh, literature and European works of philosophy. Uh, However, the death sentence was not carried out. It was commuted to 10 years of banishment in Siberia. Four of these years, Dostoevsky spent in chains in the Omsk penal settlement, living amongst criminals. Uh, he only had one copy of the Bible in Russian as his reading for four years. He was gradually rehabilitated and allowed to move to the town of Semipalantinsk in 1854, still in Siberia where he married the widow Maria Isaeva, who died two years later. He returned to European Russia, Tver, in 1859, and then was allowed to go back to St. Petersburg in December of 1859. But he was continually under surveillance until about the 1870s. He started a journal with his brother to earn money, but he never earned a lot of money. What did he write? Well, he shot to fame even before his exile. He shot to fame in 1846 when he published um, his two uh, first uh, major works. The first was called Poor Folk, and the second one was called The Double. And The Double was a radically new kind of work in European literature, in European and Russian literature. He was already a fully formed writer in 1846, and his career was interrupted by this exile in 1849, which lasted for 10 years. So he was exiled from mainstream Russian literature and Russian thought and Russian letters and European thought, for that matter. For 10 years, he lived completely uh, outside the mainstream. However, 
when he came back from exile and uh, he came to St. Petersburg um, in uh, uh, 1859-60, uh, uh, he immediately started producing uh, uh, works which were avidly received by his contemporaries. People were waiting for him to come out of exile and to start writing. He was a, a well-known major Russian writer already before his exile, but after the exile, people were waiting. So he produced notes from the House of the Dead, which was based on his experiences in uh, in, in the um, prison. Uh, then a novel which wasn't so successful, The Insulted and the Injured. Um, then he had a trip to London. His first trip abroad uh, was in 1862. He had always dreamt of going abroad, but his exile interrupted that plan. And he had to wait for 10 years to, uh, to make it to Europe. So he went to London, and after uh, he came back, um, he um, published um, uh, a kind of attack on uh, British capitalism and European civilization in um, a, a, a sort of a, a tractate called Winter Notes on Summer Impressions. And uh, the next major fictional work was Notes from the Underground. Now, this Notes from the Underground was again his signature Dostoevsky uh, poetics, the kind of poetics that he that he had produced uh, in 1846 with the double. Then followed his major novels. In the 1860s and 1870s, he, he wrote his three major novels. All of them were written more or less abroad because he had to leave Russia in order to escape his creditors and to save his marriage uh, to Anna Snitkina, uh, a girl who was 20 years, 25 years his junior and who was not accepted by his family and he was not accepted by, they were interfering too much. So they fled abroad to have a bit of peace uh, and also to live a little bit more uh, cheaply because the ruble was very strong at that time. Uh, so he wrote um, Crime and Punishment in 1866, The Idiot in 1868 to 69, uh, The Demons in 1870 to 72. Uh, after that, he returned to Russia and uh, stayed in Russia until his death with very short trips abroad only. Um, uh, and his last novel was The Brothers Karamazov in 1881. Now, when he published The Brothers Karamazov at the end of his life, he was revered in Russia, but he never made money. He was paid one-fifth uh, per printed page of the amount paid to his contemporaries Tolstoy and Turgenev. He was always borrowing money and pawning things. He had a very hard life with his first documented epileptic attack recorded during his exile in Siberia. He had frequent fits. He smoked and died of emphysema. But he was also lucky. He married a woman 25 years his junior in 1867, Anna Grigorina Snitkina, a stenographer. In fact, a new woman who was a working woman, not a lady of leisure. And he met her through his work when he could not meet the publisher's deadline uh, to, sub to um, uh, submit the manuscript of Crime and Punishment. Uh, Anna uh, Snitkina was recommended as a stenographer to whom he could dictate his, um, uh, his work. So 200 years after his birth, what makes Dostoevsky such a groundbreaking writer today? Dostoevsky's works overshot the horizon of expectation of his reading public. And even today, there are not enough approaches which do his epistemology and poetics 
justice. Um, his works are topical. He portrayed from the first to the last, that is from 1846 to 1881, the uh, what could be called in modern uh, criticism, the decentered modern subject. This was the modern subject proposed in European philosophy of the phenomenological uh, direction uh, by uh, philosophers like Kant, Fichte, and in particular, Friedrich Hegel. So this was a new European, uh, uh, this was a new subject posited by European philosophy, which Dostoevsky made the foundation of his poetics. Um, some of his 19th century readers had inspired glimpses of his poetics. Uh, for example, uh, about the idiot, some of his contemporaries appreciated the fact that his um, characters were somehow motivated uh, in a peculiar new fashion. They were not psychological portraits. They were like puppets moved by invisible drives. And uh, what the 19th century did not say is that these were the drives in the unconscious because Dostoevsky's poetics preempted Freud's psychoanalysis. Nietzsche also said that he learned from Dostoevsky. So Dostoevsky's poetics consisted of these staged characters who came to life through their language, through their expressivity. There was a lot of comedy in this expressivity and not many realized, not many of his readers, some did, but not many of his readers and not many of his critics in the 20th century, 21st century, see that he is funny and hilarious and that his characters are buffoon characters. Um, this was all described by the Russian um, uh, theorist uh, of Dostoevsky's novel called Mikhail Bakhtin, uh, who summed this kind of uh, comedy under the, type, under the uh, term carnival. And another thing which was absolutely new and radical in Dostoevsky's prose was his dialectical method of portraying character. That is, it's not simple ambivalence, but it is um, structured, his characters and his um, narration is structured uh, in, in the same method as Hegel's dialectic in the phenomenology of spirit. So Dostoevsky's prose is very complex. Uh, it is not easy reading. You can't just lie back. Of course you can, but you only get the plot then. You know, you only read the plot. But Dostoevsky's novels are not clear cut. They are not easy to decode. So what are some interesting myths about Dostoevsky and what still needs to be challenged? Well, uh, in the main, there are four myths, that he was a slavophile, that he was a nationalist, that he was a political conservative, and that he was a Christian believer. Now, if you put all these, uh, where, did, where did all this come from, all these uh, myths? Well, they came because of Dostoevsky's ex-cathedra pronouncement. Dostoevsky had a lot of publicistic writing. He was the editor of a journal. He wrote in his journals. Uh, he... Um, uh, and expressed himself uh, in public forums, um, and all this was very polemical. So he had uh, many, many uh, uh, articles which were not fictional, which were not fiction. They are his journalistic, publicistic writings, or uh, fiction which was like uh, on the on the on the edge of of journalism, like Winter Notes on Summer Impressions after his London visit. So he actually cultivated a kind of provocative style, which was um, 
in keeping with the philosophy and the policies of Tsarist of the Tsarist regime. And uh, he enunciated things which would go down well with the regime, which had nearly killed him uh, when he was a young man. So he was under police surveillance when he left Siberia. He was constantly under police surveillance until 1878. All his publications, like everybody else's publications in Russia, had to be submitted for preliminary censorship. The state censorship apparatus had historical roots in Russia and existed in full force during Dostoevsky's career. There was the statute of censorship passed in 1828 by Nicholas I, which lasted till 1905. Then there was the third section of the chancellery, the so-called Trecio de Lenie, also established by Nicholas I. And this uh, third department had to report on the spread of atheism in literary works. Uh, the censorship committees were established in administrative regions right across Russia. There was an ecclesiastical censorship committee, as well as a postal censorship mechanism called the Black Office, which examined all incoming books and printed materials from abroad. And the policy of the Tsarist autocracy was, the official policy was nationalism, autocracy, and Christian faith. And what do you think his work tells us about his view of Russian politics and history? So uh, Dostoevsky was operating with these very dangerous ideas for which he nearly lost his life, uh, for which other people abroad were also persecuted. For example, the German philosopher Fichte uh, was um, uh, uh, precluded from a position at Jena, was actually uh, dismissed from a professorship with, uh, of philosophy at Jena uh, in the 1840s um, because of the spread of atheism. He was accused of the spread of atheism. So it was not possible to, to, to um, publicize one's modern philosophical ideas, including the ideas of Hegel, although Hegel was able to lecture publicly, but that's because no one understood Hegel. <laughs> Hegel was very hard to understand, and the censor could not understand Hegel. Now, the censor also could not understand Dostoevsky's Hegelian prose, <laughs> you know, Dostoevsky's poetics, which was grounded in Hegel's dialectic. And that is why he was able to say everything he wanted to say, his message, uh, his aesthetic message. He didn't have a political message. He did not have a uh, an ideological message. He did not have a, a uh, a religious message. His message was couched in aesthetics, and it was an aesthetic message which the reader, a new reader created by this new structure of the dialectical novel, of the dialectical prose of Dostoevsky, was created by that prose. So Dostoevsky created a new reader. And even, even though he created a new reader, this reader uh, who appreciated Dostoevsky in the 19th century and in the 20th and 21st century, still hasn't really come abreast with all the, this entire Dostoevskyan message. So to sum up, uh, Dostoevsky introduced a radical poetics into European, uh, uh, Europe, the European novel. And we have to call Dostoevsky a European writer. Sure, he was writing in Russia. Sure, he was immersed in, in the Russian day-to-day -day, uh, social and political issues. Uh, but he was also following European day-to-day -day issues and European politics, and he was fully aware 
of the state of the art of uh, 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 Republican governments, uh, uh, of, of democratic governments, if you like, of which there were not many. You know, there was a democracy in, in America and democracy in France after the French Revolution. And then the rest of the rest of Europe uh, had uh, uh, monarchs. So in this atmosphere, Dostoevsky, who was as advanced as anyone in his time, as advanced as the uh, uh, German uh, philosophers uh, like Hegel, um, especially like Hegel, uh, he could only express his ideas through this radical poetics, not ex cathedra. What he said ex cathedra was part of his public persona. So that's that's um, about um, what you can say in brief about Dostoevsky, but when you read Dostoevsky, read him carefully and sitting up, you can't just lie in bed and read him. <laughs> he is um, a very a very difficult read. Slobodanka Vladiv Glover, she's an adjunct professor at the School of Languages, Literatures, Cultures, and Linguistics at Monash University, and she's editor-in-chief of the Dostoevsky Journal. Slobodanka, thank you again. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.